This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas. I got Chris and Jonathan here. Guys, it's been about a week since we met, and we got a lot to talk about here. We've got about three games and the MVP race. Before we jump into that, how are we doing this week, guys? I'm pretty tired by my normal yeah. standards. I, I don't know why, honestly. But Don't be surprised if you guys hear him yawn at least once. <laughs> how are you guys doing? Good, uh, yeah. Good, good, yeah. I was doing better before I heard you yawn, and now it's going to make me yawn. And then we're all going to yawn. It's a no-win, Chris. Blame you. Well, we'll do our best to, to not uh, put anyone to sleep with this podcast. That's our goal. <laughs> yeah, we'll wake, you, we'll wake you up, Chris. So why, sure don't we, we uh, why don't we start with uh, Sixers-Blazers game. That was the... First game after our last podcast. Sixers won 121-19. Obviously, Matisse came back. Um, and Joel hits that fadeaway that kind of solidifies the game. I mean, what stood out to you guys in this one? Um, well, I, I mean, am I starting here? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, you know, you look at the West standings. Um, OKC in the eighth seed now. We were talking about that last week. That's exciting. Um, but Portland, Portland is not exactly a winning team right now. So th- this was kind of a classic Sixers game where they get down early to an inferior opponent and then they storm back in the second half. They've done that quite a lot this season. A lot of like you guys feel nervous at all. I don't know. They keep doing it. Like they keep coming. They did it tonight against Cleveland, which we'll talk about. Like they keep coming back when they get down. It's kind of remarkable. It- yeah, it does make me nervous. I mean, they had to, they were down, what, 11 going into the fourth against Portland? And I think the podcast before, we talked about two fourth quarter comebacks. Like, this, as Chris is saying, this is their habit recently, and it's awful. Like, yeah, it's amazing to see that they can make these comebacks, but they they can't have this in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair concern. Um, but, I mean, like, again, they just keep winning. It, they're kind of undeniable, in, in a sense. Um, you know, you look at the box score, Joel Embiid at 39 points. He, he just keeps doing it. Two steals, three blocks, seven boards. Um, one of the best players we've got continues to do awesome things. The only starter with a positive plus minus, the bias, negative 22. PJ and negative 18 in this game. So, naturally, Joel doing quite a bit to keep the Sixers afloat. Also, credit to the bench for uh, doing quite a lot of that. A really strong game from George Niang, who had... Four made threes in 23 minutes, 12 points. Um, you know, that 
he deserves a lot of credit. I might be jumping ahead to the bench here, but yeah, I mean, Joel is the obvious standout. James almost had a triple double, came up a rebound and two assists shy. Not his most explosive game offensively, but he continues to stuff the stat sheets. Um, a, a pretty quiet game, though, from Tobias. Fairly quiet by Maxi's recent standards. This is really, a you know, the Joel show, and he deserves a ton of credit for leading that comeback and getting Philly the win. Yeah, no. The You said poor game but for Tobias, 25 minutes, but... Chris, the bigger issue that I have is he has 11 shots in 25 minutes versus Maxi only getting eight shots in 36 minutes. That's not a winning formula there for sure. And Tobias, like you said, he shot three of 11. Not not a good outing. And like it, clearly, Jeremy Grant gave him some problems. Going to Nurkic, Nurkic is actually one of pro- probably one of the better, stronger players that can probably give Joel some problems in the low post, but. He's been hampered with injury for most of the season, and when he's play, he's he's he has slow feet, so Joel can take advantage of him on the perimeter. Then Drew Ebanks, lovely backup, but not anybody that's going to cause Joel any problems. So this was, like you said, this was the Joel show. Um, you know, got to give shout out to former Sixer Jeremy Grant with 24 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, Anthony Simons had 34 points, really gave the Sixers problems. Uh, Damian Lillard had 22 and 11. So yeah, no, it was important okay. what they they needed to do. But like, yeah, no, Joe, it was the Joel Embiid show. Yeah, you're dancing around it there for a second. We we got to talk about the uh, the the elephant in the room. We we got to save that for later, Chris. It's, it's, That's the next thing on the. We just talked about it. We haven't. We haven't. All right. I'm sorry to segue yeah. into the bench. <laughs> Again, Chris, Chris, go right into the bench. They got a lot of production from the bench. A uh, number of guys got some playing time. So what were your thoughts? Again, George hit four threes. Melton hit three. Those two were the big standouts um, offensively. Not a lot of playing time for anyone else. Ten minutes for McDaniels, who obviously is dealing with injuries now, and that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. But only ten for Paul Reed, seven for House, eight for Shake. Milton and Niang were the, the main guys off the bench, and they both played really well. Um, so, I mean, they were a big part of getting Philly back into this game. The bench, aside from Paul Reed, who was a minus one, all have positive plus minuses. So they won the bench minutes and lost a lot of the starting minutes, which is not normally the case for Philly. But you got to do what you got to do. And, again, they've now won six straight. This is part of that one streak. They, they pulled it out. Not the prettiest win, but they got it done. Yeah, no, the bench, uh, you know, you got to note that both McDaniels and Reed were in foul trouble. And if you're only minus one with Reed on the floor and not Joel, I'd still take that as a win. I, I think, you know, Paul Reed, not the best night, He but he did have four offensive rebounds and a steal. I mean, like, he's going to do stuff for you. Melton has... It looks like Melton's resettled into his role as a bench guy, and he's done well in that. Niang's starting to find his groove, which is exactly what the Sixers need. Plus 23, which was the best of any Sixers player, and I think any player in the game in general. So kudos to Niang. Yeah, uh, yeah no. But uh, let's go to the elephant in the room that Chris was talking about and I was trying to avoid. Uh, Jonathan, we got to talk about Matisse Thibel. Yep. Chris, you um, wanted to talk about it? Go ahead. Honestly, I think this is the perfect encapsulation of like 
the entire Matisse argument on both spectrums. He had the best plus minus on the team, and he played five minutes in the second half because he can't shoot. It's great. Um, yeah, he played 19 total minutes, five in the second half. He was pretty much an afterthought down the stretch uh, because you can't play him against good teams down the stretch. That's all I have to say. I mean, this was, it's not like he had a horrendous shooting night, but clearly just was not working for him. Plus, like, it's not even like he had foul trouble. He didn't eat, Chris, one of the few times he didn't have a foul in a game. But I think yeah. kind of, they, I felt like they kind of rode Cam Reddish, and Cam Reddish has been playing well for them since he's gotten there. I have no problems with Cam Reddish. Um, That's because Cam, Cam Reddish can play offense. Yeah, he can. He can. And when he's engaged, he's not a terrible defender. But, like, I mean, but at the same time, we're not talking about just this game. We're talking about Matisse Seibel as a whole in Portland. And I think it's a much better fit if we think about it here. You know, yes, you have a low-post guy and you're, you're uh, Nurkic, but at the same time, he's not going to be, like, gobbling up, you know, space. He's not going to be posting up a ton like Joel. Let me just read you guys the stats real quick for Thibel since he's in 13 games as a member of the Blazers. He's averaged a career high eight points, career four rebounds, a career high 1.9 steals. Um, he's also shot 41% on three pointers on 4.2 attempts, a career high, both career highs. And he's shot. 47.1% uh, from the field, which is the second highest in his career. So, like, it's a better fit for Thibel and Portland overall. I think he's the type of player that they need with Dame, especially if they're going to go small with Anthony Simons there, too. It's a nice natural fit. I like it. And I think it's a good place for him, even though, like, yes, he does have his limitations. He's playing a lot better. Yeah, um, you know bad teams you get more opportunities it's it's definitely a better fit in that sense it's a very small sample size like I, again games, yeah, yeah. in games that matter which portland is not going to play a ton of games that matter here down the stretch unless they can kind of inch back into the playing race and even then it's like it's the playing race um you know we'll, we'll see but do you think yeah, his I mean, future is with Portland? Because he's going to be a restricted free agent this summer. Do you think he stays in Portland, or do you think another team swipes him away? Uh, I'm sure Portland would like to keep him. Clearly, they think highly of him. He's the kind of prospect that Portland tends to like, in that he's very athletic and jumps around a lot and can play defense. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm sure Portland would like to keep him. He, he has been good, relatively speaking, since he got there. I don't want to just sit here and bash Tease. But I, I think some people... Are, are maybe uh, overstating how great he's been. And, I mean, we, Jonathan and I talked about this not that long ago. Like, I'm pretty convinced McDaniels is just straight up a better player. So I'm not, like, I'm not missing him too much. Yeah, I think, like, all those career highs are not that impressive. And he didn't really need a lot to uh, overcome that. But good for him. Good for him being in Portland where he's getting a little more time. Um, so the second game of the week that uh, Sixers won, they beat the Washington Wizards 112-93 pretty handily. Um, didn't have to have a fourth quarter comeback in this one, which is obviously good. Great game um, all around, obviously, from Embiid. I'm just going to keep pushing that storyline because what he's doing is not normal. Um, so what were your thoughts, Lucas? Well, let's make the let's make the biggest uh 
kudos to Joel. He didn't have to play in the fourth quarter. And he made he made sure he made it clear, like, I like not having to play in the fourth quarter. So in three quarters, Jonathan and Chris, he had 34 points, eight rebounds, four assists, and four blocks. Yes. That's MV, MVP. MVP. And we'll talk about it later, Jonathan. You're jumping ahead. You, you, I promise. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> but I'm going to say it in every topic tonight. Okay, well that's good for you. When we and that's I'm 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 agreeing with you, but at the same token, you know it's yeah. Anyway, um, so Joel, fantastic, ten of twelve from the foul line, two of twenty one from the field, um, essentially shut shut down uh, Christoph's Porzingis, who's arguably had the best offensive season of his career. Uh, Porzingis, like the big three, like I I can't I, I don't know if you would call them the big, big three, but the best three players in Washington. Kuzma, Porzingis, Beal. Guys, they combined for a total of 30, uh, 34 points. That's that's horrendous. The, you know, the Sixers defense, kudos to them. Uh, Porzingis shot 4 of 15 from the field and had four fouls. So kudos to, you know, Joel. Outside of that, James Harden had another monster game. Uh, 18 points, 14 rebounds. Can't really complain. It was an off night for Maxi and uh, Tobias. Tucker decided that he wasn't going to shoot tonight, that night, but he still had 13, plus 13 in the box, plus minus. Maxi struggled a little bit shooting-wise, but, I mean, they didn't really need him to do much else. We know Maxi steps up in the big games, and that's important. So, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. That's what I got. Yeah, you touched on all the important points, Lucas. Again, it's nice for Philly to just comfortably beat a worse team. That's always fun. Um, Joel. 34 and 21 shots, four blocks. Great player. James had 14 assists to go with 18 points. Great player. Sometimes that's all you need, honestly. Uh, the Wizards are not very good. Like, plain and simple. You know, Beal is has, is on a bit of a downswing this year. This was a really bad Porzingis game, like you said, Lucas. Um, Washington is just nowhere near Philly's level. And when the stars show up and the supporting cast doesn't, play actively terrible things are generally going to go philadelphia's way so yeah tobias again just hasn't played his best basketball lately and that's something to keep an eye on ahead of the playoffs and this was one of maxi's worst games maybe his worst game since going back to the starting five but joel and james sometimes that's that's really all you need because they continue to show up yeah so i mean uh going to the bench Doc obviously emptied the bench with some garbage time. Um, got to see Deadman in there for a little bit, along with Springer. Harold did not play, but anyone stand out on the bench, Lucas? Well, first let's talk about Jaden McDaniels. Uh, he, J Mac got injured, and he didn't play in the Wizards game, Cavaliers game. Um, hopefully, it's nothing major. I think it's just an ankle sprain, right, guys? It's just an ankle sprain, right? Or is it a... Yeah, it's not nothing major. He was originally expected to play tonight against Cleveland, and then they downgraded him. So I don't think he'll be out that long. Okay. Uh, Outside of that, you know, nobody really stood out per se. Melvin was leading score off the bench with 10, but you had a lot of guys that contributed. McDaniels had six. Niang had six. Reed had six. Deadman had four. Deadman did not look bad. I'm not going to say that he's he looked great, but he did not look like a complete wash. I think if you... Needed emergency center minutes. He could do a better job than Montrez anyway. 
Uh, Reed is still the better player, obviously, but Deadman was not did not look terrible since returning from injury. Shake had seven. Um, Korkmaz made an appearance, had two points, and your boy, you know, Jaden Springer had two steals in three minutes. Yeah, uh, and, so I, yeah, I just want to read out some numbers here, and I'll, I'll let you all guess who this is. Um, Career 36 minutes, 21.1 points, 9.9 rebounds, 5 steals, 2.5 blocks per game, 53% from the field this season. Can we guess who that is? I'm going to guess Jaden McDaniels. It's our boy Jaden Springer, baby. That was going to be my guess. I actually meant to say Jaden Springer. I don't know why I said McDaniels, but yeah, Springer. Yeah, only 1.2 turnovers to uh, 2.5 assists. Uh, he's only played 29 minutes. You know, that's not a huge sample size or anything, but uh, clearly just one of the best defensive guard prospects in the NBA and a future superstar. So great stuff from him. Um, as far as the rest of the bench in this game, like you said, just about everyone got um, some some bites at the pie. Uh Paul Reed had had a pretty solid twelve minutes. Uh, you know, Shake was good. Had seven and nineteen minutes. Was a plus eleven. Milton was good again. Hit three threes. That's what you like to see. Yeah, Chris. Only, with only no person ex- who didn't play tonight was, was Montrez, which is pretty funny and good probably for for Philly fans. <laughs> yes, and no exaggeration on your part about Jared, uh, Jaden Springer. No. So, the, the Wizards, obviously, we said on a lower tier, they're currently in the 10 spot. Um, actually, the Bulls who are chasing them are tied with them, but they just lost literally minutes ago on a buzzer beater by De'Aaron Fox, which was amazing. Great game to watch. Um, so the Wizards currently hold that last playing spot. Do you think that they will make it into the playoffs when the season's over, Lucas? Well, let's look who's there, who they're fighting against. They're fighting against Miami, Atlanta, and Toronto ahead of them. Now, Chris, remind me if I'm wrong, but the plan works in the the seven plays the ten spot, right? No. How does it work? Remind me again. It's not nine. Seven plays eight, and the winner gets the seven seed, and then the winner of nine ten plays the loser of seven eight for the eight seed. So, can we? Is it possible for Washington to beat the Raptors in a one game? Yes, it's one game. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think in terms of high-end talent, I think the the Wizards have the best top-end talent with Beal. No, they don't. What are we talking about? It's Pascal Siakam. So you think Pascal Siakam is a better player than Bradley Beal? I think he's significantly better, yes. I could, I could make, you can make the argument that he's better. I don't know if significantly he's better. Yeah, I think it's close. I think Pascal it's closer is than Chris is making. Player. Brad, yeah. Brad is nowhere near to that. Like, okay. Pascal has so, been awesome this year. But let's, okay, okay. Is Kristaps Porzingis better than their second best player? Uh, so, no. I think so. Yes. Who's their Who do you have? Ananobi. I think Purple. OG's better. I think there's a pretty strong argument for Scotty and Van Vliet, too. Like, they're close. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna disagree with you there. I think Chris Stops Porzingis is better than their second best player. Um, my point is, I think that the Wizards have a real chance. I I just offensively Toronto. I just if Washington you know locks down defensively, which they do have some personnel that can do that, like Denny Adviad, uh, Wright, Elon Wright. 
I think if they lock down defensively, they could win a game against Toronto. And then they would have to win the get winner of Miami and Atlanta, which would be what probably the loser. I mean, which would be Atlanta. Could they be Atlanta? Yeah, I think so. I think it's possible. If if you need to put a percentage on it, I think they probably have forty percent chance. I think that's fair to say of making the playoffs. Um, I mean they'd have to win two games against better teams. I don't know if I'd put it at forty. I, I think the Wizards are easily the worst team out of all the teams you just said. Like, I think, the are, the Wiz- the are the Wizards worse? Are the Wizards worse than the Bulls? No, no, no. The- borderline. The Chicago's been playing a little bit better of late, though, and they have a better best player again than Washington. But, um, yeah. I mean, look, this isn't everything, but Pascal is literally averaging more points, rebounds, and assists than Beal, and he's a way better defender. So it's like I, I don't know if it's close. Um. Yeah, I, can they? Yes, all those teams are not very good this year. It's one or two games. There's a lot of disvariance that's going to happen in those games. So they could definitely make the playoffs, and then they'll get bounced in the first round by Milwaukee. Or oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, not Philly, because they're not going to be a 7-8 seed. So they'll get bounced by Milwaukee if they get there in, like, four games. And we'll never talk about this team again. But... Yeah, I mean it's possible. I think That's it's possible. I, I, I look. I don't trust Toronto's offense to really be able to score enough in a playoff. Sure. One game series. Why would we trust Washington anymore? And their defense is way, 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 way worse. They're not going to get. I, I trust enough. Washington's offense. They have three guys that that regularly score over twenty yeah. points a game. Yeah. You have you have the Toronto that has one guy. Okay, so I, I I think Luke, I agree with Lucas on this, and I think we're gonna have that theme throughout the podcast. It's gonna be Lucas and I versus Chris. Little tease. You but, guys um, are arguing that the Wizards are, are better than the Raptors. Offensively, offensively, it's not even worth talking about. They're both really bad this year. But okay, all right. Come on, so guys. At least the Raptors have like a recent track record of being semi decent. The Wizards have been. Stuck in no man's land for a decade. John Wall, oh. game six over Boston. Yeah, well, where's John Wall right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, right. they bring him, bring John back to DC. Why not? Yeah, why not? Um, all right, so let's switch to the game that we just finished watching tonight Sixers versus Pads. Sixers won 118 109. Um, 425 left in the game. The Sixers were up 108 101, and Bede got called for an offensive foul. That was overturned. I got to be honest, guys. That was an offensive <laughs> foul in my mind. I am absolutely stunned. an offensive foul. We the got the, one. the announcers, like Doris Burke, and the, um, they were just stunned. They were like, "That's the worst, like the craziest overturn call I've ever seen." And I was sitting here like, "I'm so happy it was overturned, so it doesn't foul out." Um, definitely could have, cha- probably would have changed the end of the game because Embiid was absolutely dominating. Uh, Cavs coach J.B. Bickerstaff went off literally the rest of the game. I mean, 425 game time, probably 20 minutes just ripping the ref. Could have sworn he – like, he definitely should have got a technical. But, um, yeah, so why don't we Why don't we at least just what, – what stood out to you, Chris? Um, well, I mean, I'm just briefly glancing over Cleveland's roster, there's a, a certain point guard who's still playing in the NBA, and Trey Burke is not. Um, but as far as the Sixers go, uh, 
before I start again. Oh my gosh. I'm just saying, it's just an objective fact. Um, Joel Embiid, 36 points, 18 blocks, four blocks. Wow. Uh, five personal fouls. And he, he was really awesome. Uh, continues to look like a very good player who might win a trophy. Um, turnovers were not great this game. This was one of Joel's weaker games as far as turnovers. It was one of Philly's weaker games as far as turnovers this year. They were really sloppy. And some of that was on the refs who were, like, calling every offensive foul on planet Earth until they overturned that one on Joel. But, um yeah, the Sixers were very sloppy, especially in the first half and early in that second half. They were down 13 at one point in the third quarter before they ripped off a 16-0 run. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, another comeback. 28-12 and 12 for James in this game. He was great. Tyrese had some, some turnover issues early in the game, but ended with 23 points on 14 shots, made five to seven threes. You're not going to complain about that. Um, you know, Tobias is continuing to play basketball for the Philadelphia 76ers. PJ Tucker is, is like <laughs> PJ Tucker's like awesome. Like I've done a full 180. Like PJ rocks. I I just he continues to like can make a lot of effort plays and make a real impact against good teams lately. Like I'm I'm very optimistic about the PJ Tucker experience going into the playoffs. He, he's been quite good lately. Uh, just all over the place in this game, effort-wise. Had two steals. Only six boards. Felt like he had a lot more than that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the starters were, were pretty pretty darn good. Yeah, no, the starters were great. Look, you have P.J. with 5.7 rebounds, a lot of puzzle plays, plus 21, which is the highest among any Sixers player, and I think, yep, any player in the game in general. Uh, definitely came in and played some backup center minutes, which we certainly needed. Paul Reed was just not cutting it. Um, Tobias, like you said, he's playing basketball, doing it well. It's completely different manner. Still was a plus 16, despite two of seven shooting seven points. Uh, did have a steal on a block. Joel Embiid, he's the MVP. I will echo that with, with Jonathan there. That being said, the rest of the, the ref saved him from being kicked out of the game at four minutes because uh, that certainly was an offensive foul. Like, I don't like, like, sometimes how they call offensive fouls in the NBA with the guy's feet still moving. But that certainly, that, yeah, there there was no question about it. It, was, yeah. it wasn't a hard hit, to be clear. Right. It wasn't like a super hard, like he threw himself completely into it. But it was what you could constitute as an offensive foul. There uh, was no question it was an offensive foul. Yeah, it, if anything, it, you have to have, like, definitive proof to overturn a call, and I'm not sure you can say there's definitive proof that that was not a charge. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think the greatest argument against the, like, the NBA hates and beat narrative is that the league office put in that call. So yeah, that, that, that felt like a. Like, I, you know, I'm I'm all for conspiracies. That certainly <laughs> felt like a conspiracy. Like, let's keep them in the game type thing. Um, yeah, no, Maxi was fantastic, and um, we'll talk more about Maxi later on. James was fantastic. Fouls and turnovers were the issue here uh, for the starters, but despite it, they still came back yet again because I think they were down by 15, uh, like two minutes into the third quarter, so kudos. Yeah, uh, Chris, please make the title to this podcast episode, Tobias Harris Continues to Play Basketball for the okay. 76. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it. 
That's fantastic. I love that. That was great. Um, but one point for you to the bench on Embiid. There was, I think, at least three of his five other fouls. He just grabbed the person to present prevent a layup from under the hoop. And they were smart plays, like, in the moment. But he can't have those kind of fouls going down, like, in the playoffs. Because, again, as we've said, we don't have the best backups. And we can't have them in foul trouble. But he, he had, like, three take fouls. And I was just like, what are you doing? But, um, yeah, why don't we go to the bench? Okay. Yeah. So... Before, Chris, I'm going to interrupt you here. I know that for the new listeners, they didn't realize the shot that you took at the beginning here. And Jonathan might have not even realized it. So let me explain this real quick. I didn't take the shot. I stated in objective. Just just let me go. Let me go. Let me go with this, okay? So, Jonathan, I don't know if you've – I don't know how much you've been paying attention to the podcast prior to coming on here. But me and Chris have had this little thing about who was the better player. Trey Burke or Hal Neto. Um, I maintain it was it, it is Trey Burke. Um, I maintain that. I will never get off that bandwagon. He was supposed to be the next AI. You know, small guards could score a lot. <laughs> uh-huh. Maybe maybe not like AI AI, but you know, he definitely got the blessing from AI. Um, you know, was traded this off this past offseason to the Oklahoma no to the uh, Houston Rockets. Was waived. Uh, just hasn't found the right situation for him in the NBA yet. Uh-huh. You know, but you know how Nettle got, you know, he played in this game. He played. Um, surprise, oh, Ricky Rubio. That's kind of weird, to be honest, because I thought Rubio was a better player. So, well, kind of well, weird. While Trey Burke is, uh, to quote you, struggling to find the right situation, Neto has been a starter for the Washington Wizards and is playing over Ricky Rubio in Cleveland, a <laughs> playoff team, one of the best defenses in the NBA. Like, just because they're arguing def- still, look, it's very look, clear that Neto's Chris, a better player. It's not even Chris, an argument. Chris, I will never let this go. You might as well just accept That's this. Fine. But, like, you're wrong. I, I'm just trying to help okay, you out okay, here. Okay, Chris, Chris, Chris. Do you accept when I tell you that you're wrong and you still don't accept it? This is going to be one I of those times. wrong? Point out, a, Chris, point out a situation. And Poku, Poku being a starting level player. He was starting before the injury. Looked was he a good, good starter? Was he a good starter? going to be a starting level player. I fully believe that. I, yeah, you can believe it, but it would be wrong. Is he one, like, right now on a good team? Of course not. But the whole point with Poku is that it was going to take some time. He will get there. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's a seven-footer who can shoot, like, a wing, pass, dribble. Like, what are we... Of Chris, course he, he's going to be shooting, Chris, did you say shooting for, He can't shoot like a wing. He's shooting, like, terribly from the field. Below 40% from the field. Below 30% from downtown. I really don't want to hear that. Yeah, he's young. Chris, didn't you, you say he was going to be, like... Didn't you say he was going to be, like, Giannis? No, I never said that. Okay, Poku, maybe. Time out, time out, time out. No, 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 no. no. He's out. Said. Poku is okay. shooting 38% from three this year. 44%. What are you even talking about? You're using fake numbers. Those arguments, uh, that's bit. not even true. You're just objectively uh, lying. Okay, hang on. Eight hang points, on, two assists, 1.3 blocks per game, hitting 38% of his threes. That's a good player. What are we talking about? Here? I think I think we woke up. I think we woke Chris up. What okay. are we talking about? How can you look at the numbers even and say he's been bad this year? He got okay. hurt. 
I was going by his numbers at the beginning of the season. I haven't looked at them lately, so that's fair. His numbers haven't changed lately. He's been hurt. His numbers <laughs> from the beginning of the season are the numbers. I haven't he's looked at his numbers since, since from November. The field. Rephrase. I haven't looked at his numbers right. since November, okay? So I apologize for that. Why I was are you looking stupid. at the numbers from November? No, 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 no. How do you even get there? Chris, calm down. <laughs> Not hearing oh what I'm saying. God. I said I, I last time I looked at his numbers were from November. I have Okay. So since then. I'm clearly right here, do you have any other examples of me being wrong? <laughs> I'm gonna have to go back to the tape here. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, we'll put a we'll right. put a pin. Oh, okay. We're gonna put okay. a pin okay. on the poker okay. talk. I got it. I got it. That uh-huh. Jason, that Markel Fultz was a better play. That was going to be a better player than Jason Tatum. I told you that Jason. Yeah. Yeah. We, we bet this one. We go over. He got hurt. Okay. I still maintain that even if he didn't get hurt, Jason, Tatum. are you saying that if Markel, okay, but I'm just saying, do we really believe that if Markel did not get hurt, he'd be more MVP candidate than Jason Tatum is right now? We'll never know. The answer to that question is probably not. We'll never know. Okay, Chris. Okay. Okay. If, we let's get let's get it that's back the, to Sixers Cavs. That's the hill you want to die on. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> let's get it back to Sixers Cavs. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. George hit a couple threes. Shake it. All of his three, he's had 11 points in 21 minutes. Uh, I mean, Shake playing more minutes than Melton in this game is somewhat notable. I don't know if that's like a real trend. It's probably just a blip. But Shake got a lot of run tonight. They went small ball in the second half with PJ at the five, like you said, Lucas. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, no McDaniels. The the solution in this game was more minutes for Shake. That that's interesting to me. I I thought the small ball is you know we we all think small ball is going to be more prominent in the playoffs, so it's something to keep an eye on. But yeah, I mean not the best performance from the bench. A lot of this game was just Joel carrying Philly on his back. Maxie and Harden picked up some of the slack late um, as the game went on, but really Joel was the only sixer who showed up for all four quarters. Yeah, um, and like Shake deserves credit. George had a good game by by his standards, like like an okay game, even not a good game. But the bench was not that spectacular in this game. Yeah, the bench had 19 points uh, between five players. Um, not not super fantastic, like you said. It's kind of interesting that Melton only played 15 minutes, didn't have a lot of foul trouble, but was a minus 13, the worst of the Sixers. Uh, def- I think definitely had some struggles. Defending Milton did good. Like Milton had a good game. I have no problems with Milton playing. I don't think it's a trend like you said, but you know, it is interesting to note. And I think if you are going to go small in the playoffs, I think Milton's definitely going to be the guy that you go small with, not house. Um, but yeah, like you said, Joel's the only one that showed up for all four quarters. Yeah. I, yeah. Also, though, I, I think Shake has like earned those minutes over house. Yeah. 
Not saying that House yes. can't play, because I think he can play. I think Milton's just a better option. Yeah, so obviously the headline when you're going to see the Sixers, Embiid and Harden both balling out. Embiid this game had 36 points, Harden had 28. Maxi also had 23. He's been balling since he's been put back in the starting lineup. So do you think this team has like an official big three with those guys? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, we I think we all like came to a consensus, yes, last season. The early part of this season maybe cast some doubt over it because Maxi got hurt, then he was off the bench, and he didn't play his best basketball off the bench. But, I mean, he's clearly their third best player. Is Maxi on the level of Joel and James? Is it a big three in the same way that, like, LeBron, D-Wade, and Bosch were a big three? No. Like, I don't think Maxi's quite on that level. But, like, he's their third best player, and he has some star-level performances, at least offensively. So... I'm happy to call it a big three, but I mean, really, for it's a lot of Philly really feels more like a big two sometimes, if we're being completely honest. But Terry's a special, and he'll grow into that spot, so I'm fine with it. Well, let's just look at the, some stats here. In October and November, when Tyrese was starting, he, uh, he, in October, he averaged 23 points. November, 22 points. Um, and then since he became a starter again in March... He's averaging 22 points. As a reserve in January, uh, December, January, and February, respectively. Actually, no, he started one game in December, I think, and just didn't play. No. Did he play that game? Yeah, he, no, end of the January. That's right. Did he start that game? I can't remember. Did he start the first he game? Started, he, he started a couple games here and there. Because yeah, for the most part, it was a reserve, right? So. December, he averaged nine points in one game. He had average 18 in January, 16 in February. So clearly, Maxie's better as a starter versus a reserve. Uh, his starting stats is 22 points, uh, the shade under four assists, only 1.5 turnovers, shooting 42% from three, 47% from the field in 29 games as a starter, right? So let's let's look at all that there. Let's let's just take that in for a second. Twenty-two points and about four assists. Is that an all-star? Not necessarily. Not yet. I think the assists need to be more. He needs to. He needs to. He needs to find a secondary area besides scoring where he's super efficient. And I mean, three-point shooting is certainly something to keep an eye on. A six-point-six attempts. That's not anything to dash your eyes out. But I think as terms of a big three. You need to have three all-stars. Maxie's not quite at the all-star level like Chris alluded to. I think he will get there. But does he have all-star level or star level moments? Absolutely. And if the Sixers want to win a championship, he needs to have those. And, and you know, at least one quarter, if not like oh, the whole game of every, all, you know, every playoff game this this all yeah. postseason. Like, they but, need him to be playing at an all-star level to win the championship. What, would you guys call Miami's a big three with Jimmy, Bam, and Tyler Hero? Is, is that a big that's, three? That's a Okay, that's difficult there. That is if that's difficult. not a big three, then Maxi, it's definitely not a big three in Philly. You know what I mean? Tough one. I don't know. Because, like, part of me wants to call, like, in terms of offensive proficiency, the Wizards technically have a big three because they got three guys yeah, averaging over 20 points. has three players who are the three best players on their team. Like, you could cobble together a big three for 
Houston if you wanted to, but I guess I guess it depends the, the, on how you define big three. Because like you said, Maxi's just not an all-star level player yet. It's not guess, on the level of the Heatles. It's not on the level of Brooklyn's big three when they had James. It's not on Golden State's level. Like, like it's not, not even kind of it's not even on Milwaukee's level because like Drew and Middleton have had all-star appearances. Yeah, not those are like top forty players. Yeah, in yeah like like. In terms of a big three, I think you've had to have made an all-star in the past, like, five years to be considered one of a big three, right? So, in terms of that regard, is there any player? I mean, is there how many teams have three all-stars in the past five seasons? The Bucks have one. Bucks, Suns. Uh, Suns. Uh, <laughs> do we count Al Horford? No, that was more than five years ago for Al, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he's not even the third best player on that team. Yeah, I mean, uh, but, you could make but a pretty strong case defensive Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland fits the bill, too, because of yeah, Allen. It does, yeah. yeah. Allen and Garland, and yeah, yeah, you can consider Cleveland, sure, if we go by all-star standards. Uh, but the Sixers, no, not quite there yet. Maxi, part, part of it this season was health. Yeah. And part of it is that the East has a lot of good guards. Like, look, Jalen Brunson didn't well, need playoffs. If you're if you're using the standard of all star appearances, we can make a, a case here for Minnesota with Rudy Cat and Ant. Okay, but uh, they barely played with each other this year, and I no no they. I think you you have to be at least out of the play. If your team if you have three all stars, but yet you not you're not clearly out of the playing, you're not a big three. Okay, yeah, That's, I agree. I was just making fun so, of y'all. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 it's a funny joke. But no, I think, uh, but no, going back to the East, I mean, look, we got Jalen Brunson, who didn't make the All-Star, but has a real good chance to make All-NBA 13, which I think should be, uh, I think we need to have that podcast coming up soon, end of the year awards. Um, that being said, guys. Great I, segue. Great segue yeah, to, the, yeah, to the best. Let's, yeah, let's go to it. Best topic. So we'll dive into it. Um MVP race, obviously, it's still most likely Jokic and Embiid. Let me just, before we get in here, give you a couple updated odds. So um, this morning, at le- or this afternoon at least, on Caesars, Jokic was the favorite, minus 130. Embiid was plus 130, which means he has closed the gap. And that, and then on DraftKings, Embiid is plus 150 and Jokic is plus 100. Also closing the gap. The implied odds on that are that Jokic has a 47.5% chance of winning it currently, and Embiid has a 38% chance. But that was before tonight's game, um, and I think this is obviously a fluid situation that, especially with betting markets today, it literally changes daily. So let's just start with Lucas. Why don't you tell me who your top three MVP candidates are? So from three to one, I have uh, Giannis at three. Uh, they they have uh, you know they've clinched a playoff spot, but at the same time his team has played well without him too. Not not they haven't fallen off a cliff. They can survive a, a couple games without him. Um, so I can't quite I can't. And plus he hasn't had the best shooting season of his career. Part of that is making up for Middleton's absence. But I I can't give it to him now. I'm sorry. Number two is Nikola Jokic. Um, and I'll explain more after we, I'm sure Chris will go. And uh, number one is Joel Embiid right now. I think the Sixers are on on a six-game winning streak. Joel has been dominant in all six of those games, um, averaging, I think, at le- 
least like over he's had at least 30 plus points at least in all those games so yeah yeah i think it's uh, 35 per game since the all-star break or something i like i that. that sound i wouldn't be surprised if that's the case I, i'd have to pull up the stats i don't have them in front of me at the moment um i can pull them up here real quick but yeah no i think joel's dominant play on both ends and i i don't want to bash Jokic too much because i know we're going to talk about it more later i'll let chris rebuttal before i give my anti-Jokic campaign but let me just give my pro campaign first um so let's go to the split stats here jonathan brought up the all-star break so after the all-star break he has been averaging 35 points on 55 percent shooting 34 percent shooting from three nine point uh nine rebounds four assists 2.3 blocks so he's increased his defensive play and this is the complete opposite of last year. Last year, Joel kind of tapered off towards the end, missed a couple games. He hasn't missed any games. He's been playing hard since the All-Star break. And I, you know what? I think, you know, if we, you know, gave Giannis the, you know, by the MVP last year by picking it up towards the end and Joel falling off, Joel's picking it up towards the end right now. And he's becoming even more dominant defensively. So I'm, I'm going to give it to Joel. All right, Chris, let's go. Top three. Um, my number one is uh, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. My number two oh my is Ted Holmgren. Uh, Here we go. Uh, okay. okay. Right. I wish we could kick him out of the car. Um, look, here's my... I'm going to preface this with a very even-keeled, positive statement that... All three guys that you just mentioned, Lucas, are extremely good at basketball. Absolutely. All three are having historic seasons. And Absolutely. Just get to the list. Get to the Any list. one of them would be a deserving MVP. You, There is no wrong answer here. I would be... <laughs> I feel like, he's about, to really, I feel like he's about to really piss us off. So that, that's why I, I think that this course... On Twitter, at least, has gotten pretty stupid. Like, the Jokic fans are really, like, obtuse and condescending about Joel. The Bucks fans are, too. Sixer fans say the dumbest stuff about Jokic. It, every side of it has just gotten really stupid. And I don't really enjoy engaging with the discourse on Twitter and stuff like that anymore. Like, no fan is making genuine arguments for or against their guy at this point. They're just offering really thin takedowns of the other guy which is really not how this should be going we just want to we just want a three to one i don't like it all right my number three is Giannis Anderkumpo. okay milwaukee bucks we agree there <laughs> my number two um i i'll probably I, joel two Jokic one ah Chris, come on. Okay. Okay. Let's get, let's talk, let's talk this out. Of let's course. Sure of course. Talk this. Let's be mature and calm and talk this one out. 1A, one 1B, one 1C. One no wrong answers. I obviously personally like want Joel to win because I, he's my favorite player. So I'm rooting for Joel. I want okay. it to happen. So, so, I think it would be absolutely delicious to see Denver fans and Milwaukee fans have a meltdown. And that makes me okay. very happy. Okay, so let's let's talk this through real quick. Okay, let's talk this through. The Nuggets currently are on a four-game losing streak. The Sixers are on a six-game winning streak. 
in this four games, Jokic has not showed up either offensively or defensively or sometimes both. Okay. It's becoming more apparent that people are not afraid to attack him defensively. Like he, he is, he is vulnerable there. We, and like, I know the advanced stats say that Jokic is, is so much more important on defense, but is it really when you sub out your whole entire starting five, roughly at the same time? Like, okay. yeah, let's, let's anyone, just think about anyone that. Anyone arguing that Jokic is anywhere close to the level of a beat on defense is being disingenuous. No one thinks that no reasonable person thinks. That. Okay. But uh, people that are using the stats are saying that. So I'm just, and I'm not saying you're saying that. I'm None saying of the smart, the stats. credible writers are using the stats to say that Jokic is of that caliber defensively. Okay, well, the, but clearly they people use have them maybe to argue that he is not as bad as people say, but they are not using it to say that he is on the level of, of Joel. Or... Uh, yeah, well, okay, so let's think about that. You know, he's been exposed by the Raptors and other teams during this four-game ru- losing streak defensively. Let's let's be clear on that, right? So there's that. And then we look at Joel here. Uh he's beaten yeah, he's beaten Giannis twice. He's beaten Jokic once. He's going to face both of them again. If he beats both of them again, I think it's very hard to say and he beats Boston at least once cuz he has one more shot at Boston. If he can beat Boston and beat those two other teams, I I don't know like He's beaten all the best, like all the contenders here. Like, I don't know how you can't give it to him at that point. Because, like, he's like defensively, he's he's held, you know, PJ Tucker did a great job on Jokic. Not going to lie there, but Joel owned him in that in that game. Like, it, offensively, like Joel just outclassed him. And then against the Bucks, Joel made key stops against Giannis to get the Sixers that win. So, yeah, when, when he plays against the guys that he's competing against for the MVP, he has come out playing fantastic and has won those games and had clutch moments in those games. Yes, yes. I, I agree. Like, like I, I, I don't think like one game sample sizes of direct matchups is how you should determine who's MVP. It's not like, the only determination, but I think when it's this close, Chris, like you said, 1A, 1B, 1C. When it's this close, I think they it does matter. It's not. Yeah, I think sure. it's I, definitely it's definitely not the only thing. Like as we just said, he's had thirty five on fifty five percent shooting since the All Star break. He's been playing yes. incredibly better. Uh, like the second half is all this MB definitely. It's not like one A one B since the All Star break. So I, like well, I, I think we're happens. just saying on top of that, once you already say that he's been playing better recently, then you say. Head to head, he's won those too. I mean, it's like it's the same thing. Think about the playoffs. Like head to head, obviously, isn't what gets a team to the playoffs, but it's a factor if it goes like ties and you keep getting down that way. I just think that's what Lucas is saying, and I support no, that. Sure, uh, yeah. I mean, look again. There's, I, I think there's no wrong answer. Um, well, let you know, me. Ask if you, we're gonna, if we're leave gonna use the team success argument, Giannis and the Bucks have been even better than Philly after the All Star break. That's oh, part of it. Uh, okay. Giannis, no, I'm not going to argue there. Giannis has been a better defender than Joel. The offensive numbers are very similar, and maybe even better in certain areas. So a lot of the points that people have used to argue Joel over Jokic at various points over the last couple of years can be directly turned against them in, in favor of Giannis. So that's okay. something we have to acknowledge. 
That's something um, we can't acknowledge. I, but my counterpoint far, to that is my my counterpoint to the the I'll let you continue after this. My counterpoint to that is when the Bucks can survive without Giannis for a couple games. The Sixers cannot survive without Joel for a couple games. Okay, counterpoint. It's not Sixers, counterpoint, it's Lucas. Not, the Sixers have a better record without Joel than the Bucks have without Giannis this year. Just straight up, they do. They're nine and four without Joel. So I don't know if that's even true. They have James Harden. Like, it's not within like objective. Okay, but also Chris Middleton. Middleton has been out too, and that's like that's true. Giannis has been without his second best player all of this season. Not dissimilar to Jokic last year. Um, obviously, the four-game losing streak. You're right. Jokic has looked pretty bad on defense, like really bad. Um, I think a lot of it is just like the Nuggets have the first seed locked up and are kind of coasting down the stretch here. Does that count against them? Yeah, it does. Like, you know, if if he takes the last 15 games off, that's probably going to hurt his case. Not probably will. Um, but I think that's part of it. Like, the Nuggets just are not trying right now as a team. It's not even just Jokic. Like, that team just has not put in any effort in over the last four games. Uh, not, like, justifying that, but, like, it, it's because they have the first seed locked up. Um, yeah, well, yeah. the, the so, next... No, I, 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 just... I, I really ahead, don't think there's, a, like, a wrong answer. The case for Joel is way stronger than Denver and Milwaukee fans would have you think. The case for Giannis is stronger than Philly fans would have you think. The case for Jokic is stronger. Like, like all this like super disingenuous bashing of the other team's player is really, I think, kind of clouded in the fact that all three of these guys are on the same level right now. Like, they're all very close. Um, so, do you still have yeah. Jokic ahead of Joel on your standings right now? I just think Jokic has like been still the best offensive player in the NBA this season. He makes his teammates better. He's better at elevating teammates than anyone else in the league right now. Like, it's not a coincidence. Like JJ Redick made this point on his podcast recently. It's really not a coincidence that like Michael Porter, KCP, those guys are like some of the most efficient shooters in the world right now. Murray is is back to form. Like like. Aaron Gordon's having his best season offensively. Jokic is a big part of all of that. So it's not just that he's awesome and he's like the most efficient volume scorer in the NBA and near the top of the league in assists, but he's also making everyone else better. He's crashing the glass. He's not a good defender anywhere near the level of Joel or Giannis. That's true. And that's part of the calculus. And if you want to use that to pick one of those two guys, Again, that's great. I literally want Joel to win, but I, I think, like, objectively, I, it's hard for me not to say Jokic just because of how valuable he is in that respect. But again, like, if, if the Nuggets continue their current, like, Philly just passed Denver in terms of win percentage. So, yep. the like, if, Jok- if the Nuggets keep sliding and Jokic decides to just turn it off for 20 games to save himself for the playoffs, that's probably a smart choice, like, as far as preserving themselves for the playoffs, but it, it will hurt his MVP case. So it's a fluid situation, like you said, Jonathan. The season's not over. So if Joel yeah. and Giannis continue to go on a mega run for the last 15 games, and Jokic is, like, taking a mental vacation, then he probably shouldn't win MVP. So that'll, that'll be part of the, uh, the calculus here down the stretch. 
So, yeah, so Jonathan, we said, uh, hang on, hang on, Jonathan. I just realized something what Chris is doing, and I don't think he's intentionally do, doing this either. I think he's subconsciously doing this. When we vote for, and I heard this this analogy originally from uh, Bill Simmons' podcast, but I think it applies in this conversation here. When you think of an MV, NFL MVP, it's usually quarterback. Why? Because they 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 are so involved in commanding the offense and how much they influence the game just based off of how much they get other people involved. Mm-hmm. I, it, you know, regardless of what other skill positions do like wide receiver or running back, you know, we talk about Derrick Henry. I, did it, I don't think Derrick Henry's won an MVP, right? Despite having one of the best wrestling seasons in NFL history, right? Yeah. Are we sure? But my point, my yeah. point being here, my point being here is that we look so poignantly at people that control the flow of the offense, especially like with quarterbacks that I think that with Jokic's playmaking, I think that's the reason why some people are so enamored and in love with him because in a way he's kind of a quarterback and he's a big quarterback yeah. in this case. I mean, I think it's valid. Like, that's an important and very valuable aspect of the game is controlling the tempo and making teammates. But should it go, should, should it go to that person or the most dominant player? You most. could very well argue that Jokic is the most dominant player because of that. Mm. Like, it's not like Jokic... Hey, it's not like Jokic doesn't dominate games with his scoring ever or anything like that. He has multiple games. Again, Jokic is literally a more efficient scorer from the field than Joel. He's shooting 63% from the field, 41% almost from three. Because they can't double-team him, Chris. Joel deals with double-teams all the time. They can't do that to Jokic because they know that, you know, and this is a Because he beats them with the pass. That's not, that's a credit to Jokic. And I'm not Joel's saying that not being not. able to beat double teams every but, time. But, but not, you can't say that he's not as he's more dominant just because he's not getting as many double team looks. You you can argue. I'm not even making the argument. I'm just saying there is an argument. But I'm not talking Jokic about is the most score. dominant he's... offensive player in the NBA. Dominance isn't just scoring the most points. But, but you were saying that. But you were saying that he was more dominant as a scorer, and that's not necessarily true because he's no, not seen many times. As very dominant as a scorer while being dominant in other aspects. And part of his dominance is that you're right, he he beats the defense in more ways than Joel sometimes. Joel I, has a very real weakness at times as far as processing the game and getting stuck with double teams because he, he doesn't make decisions quick enough. That's like part of that's one of Joel's biggest weaknesses still. He's gotten a whole lot better at it. But it's still a weakness. That you're right. Jokic doesn't have that weakness, but that's not like a knock on Jokic. That's a credit to Jokic. Yeah, I look. I think uh, I think we hit the next piece. When we we're just saying, has Embiid done enough to uh, get it? Because I I believe he honestly absolutely has. And one of the things that I was going to say about this whole conversation that I find absolutely interesting is I was listening to like Philly sports radio, and they were just talking about like how MVP is a daily conversation now. And I mean, this is before my time, but like, obviously they're saying like eighties and nineties, like it's, it was never talked about. And it's probably because of like betting, I'm guessing obviously that like those lines update daily, but it is just extremely interesting that like, it's almost game to game now. And and that's kind of 
why I feel like there's so much hostility and argument, but it's because it's like, oh, did you see what they did tonight? As opposed to like looking at the whole body of work. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I wanted to touch on that a little bit. There was a conversation of Chris Broussard recently on Fox Sports. He was essentially, he was talking to Nick Wright, essentially saying that he would vote for Jokic if it was like head over heels or like obviously that he was far ahead. But if it was close that he would give his vote to Embiid. I don't know that he was outright saying this, but it almost seemed like it was implying a little bit of voter fatigue with uh, Jokic. I want to hear you guys' thoughts on that, but obviously we know voter fatigue does exist because LeBron only has four MVPs, which is absolutely yeah. insane, and I'm going to keep bringing that up. But, um, yeah, Lucas, what were your thoughts on uh, on Chris Broussard's comments? I don't think they're out of line. I don't. I think that they're a fair statement. If Like, look. At one point of the season, and I'm sure Chris remembers this, I said, yeah, as much as I hate to admit, I think Jokic is probably going to win his third MVP. I I did say that. I don't know if Chris remembers that, but I certainly said that. Now I don't feel that way because I feel like Joel stepped up his game enough. And granted, that happened during Joel's injury when he was coming back during the beginning of the season when he wasn't starting off that strong. But my point being here is that I don't, it's like Chris said, it's a one, a one B one V it's not a clear cut anymore. And going to your question about voter fatigue, uh, your comment about voter fatigue. I think that will play a factor because it is so close now. Now, will that mean that Joel is guaranteed to get it? No, because like Chris said, Giannis is also very deserving and probably deserves to have a third MVP at some point. Absolutely. Um, but I think if as with it being as close as it is, as it feels, and this is crazy because back in February, it felt like with the Tim Bond, Tim straw poll, it felt like, you know, it was Jokic is to lose. Well, he's slowly losing it. So now we have to talk about voter fatigue because it, it's becoming a factor again. Um, yeah, I mean, voter fatigue, voter, voter fatigue is definitely a real thing. I mean, should you not vote for a guy because you don't want to vote for a guy anymore? No. I mean, I think you should vote for Jokic if you think he's been the best player again. Um, you know, that's different guys are going to define it in different ways and have different opinions on that. Mike O'Connor just wrote a great piece for the Ricky where he makes a very different argument about voter fatigue and how we should you know, let the narrative maybe drive the drive the MVP race more, honor more guys, stuff like that, which is totally a reasonable approach to things. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's, I don't know. I, again, any of these guys could win. The odds are all very close. I, I really don't think there's a very there's just not a clear cut winner right now, so we'll have to wait and see who actually wins before we can have like the big final debate. But yeah, voter fatigue is real. I think there's a large chunk of the voters who don't want Jokic to win three straight. A lot of those voters have not been voting for Jokic the past two years though, so I I don't really know how much of an impact it's going to have on the final voter block because I don't think the people who voted for Jokic two years in a row are not going to vote for him a third time because they don't want to. I At least not many of them. I, I think a lot of the people citing voter fatigue or using that as an argument for Joel Giannis are people who voted for Joel Giannis the last couple of years. So 
it'll be interesting. I, I mean, the odds are shifting. I, I think, like, like you said, Jonathan, I, I think they're, like, basically even after the game tonight. Or I saw one tweet that said maybe Joel just passed Jokic. Like, I, this is all very fluid night tonight. So, do we think Joel can win? Absolutely. He's, like, trending in the right direction. I think Giannis is trending in the right direction. And, obviously, Jokic has hit a downswing in the last 15 games. Shouldn't matter more than the first 15 games, but just they inevitably do because people have very reactionary and short-term memories sometimes. So It's the league of what you have you done for me lately. That's yeah, the so league. that shouldn't be the case, and I don't think that would be completely fair to Jokic, but like that's if he, again, if this keeps up for another 10 or 15 games, then just inevitably that's going to hurt his case, whether it should or not, like, People are going to put a lot of weight on these games down the stretch, especially if Philly can take the two seed from Boston. Milwaukee, again, has won like 18 of their last 20 games or something crazy like that. Milwaukee's just run away with the best record. Frankly, I I, I still have Giannis third because I think Joel has has had the better individual season, but the gap is not that large. And I think we would all agree that Giannis is probably the best player in the NBA in a vacuum. So maybe it really should be Giannis. Like, there, there's a really strong case for all three of them. I I will be fine with any of them. I want Joel to win because I am a Joel Embiid fan. But we'll just have to wait. People, people, que- people question that. <laughs> I think it's clear that, in summary, Lucas and I think and want Joel Embiid to win and Chris wants Jokic to win. I just said I want Joel to win. <laughs> okay. I or or Chet Holmgren. Shay Gilgis out. I genuinely enjoy the meltdown from the Denver Nuggets fan base if Joel wins. It would bring me untold joy. I can hold those two truths inside me that maybe Jokic should win, and also it would be glorious if he doesn't. I am a multi layered and I am a very human. I can, I can, both are true. I can, I can do both. You say so, buddy. You say so. Yeah, if you say so. Look, I think at this point, I'm comfortable saying those are the three best players in the NBA. Uh, you're not. You're not out on a limb on that. One, oh, though. oh, hold up, hold up, hold up. So we're taking going away from the MVPs conversation. Now we're talking about best. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. moving Luca to number okay. four, and I'm putting Joel at three. Okay. You are not. You are not alone in that. Okay, so let's, let's real quick as an exercise. I know we're going a little bit over time, but I'm I'm curious now. Everybody state their top five players in the NBA, starting from five. Uh, Jonathan, you can go first. Oh, I needed a minute. Okay, um, I'll go first then. I'll go first. Unless Chris, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Go, you go first then. Uh, Durant, Doncic, Embiid, Jokic, Giannis. Okay. So you have Jokic number two. Yeah. Interesting. I I Wait, need you a said minute. Jokic. Jokic is number two. Yeah, he has Jokic number two. Okay. All right. I will go. LeBron, Kevin Durant, Jokic, Giannis, Embiid. Okay, that, that's a little homerish. I'm not gonna lie. Okay. Um, okay. I never said I, I never said it wasn't homerish. Okay, as long as you admit it. Okay, so my top five in terms of best players overall. 
Give me a second to formulate my thoughts here. Joel Embiid is the best player on planet Earth today. I'm convinced after watching that game. So, Okay. So, this is fluid, okay? This can change. All right. That being said, I think my top five will have to start off with. I'm going to have to go with LeBron number five. He's still a top five player. Yep. Yep. Number four. That is fine. uh, Number four. I'm going to have to go with Luca. Number three, I can't believe I'm saying this, is Jokic. Number two is Joel. No, hang on. No, hang on. I messed up. Give me a second to recalibrate here. Okay. Number five is Luca. Number four is Jokic. Number three is Embiid. Number two is Durant. And number one is Giannis. Okay. Yeah. I think I think we have I think there's like what what was Chris's yeah. top 100 we said there's like six or seven and then there's a little drop off I'm pretty sure we yeah, I think, I we, think we all have, I think LeBron I think, was outside of that six or seven but yeah yeah I think yeah. I would probably have LeBron or Tatum six I think Curry six Tatum seven oh, that's, then, that's a good point yeah then we can talk yeah. about LeBron yeah that's fair I, that's, I'm just saying if you like LeBron if people are like oh at 38 if you take away age 38 and you're just like look at these stats for this guy I, he's a top five player and then it's even more remarkable that he's 38. i don't i don't think people are penalizing him because he's old i i just don't think he's quite no, where he was i just think that's what people ago. lead in like people love to lead in being like yeah. oh he's th- he's doing gr- he's like he's setting all these records for over a third like a 30 year old and he's on the like tail end of 30 it's like okay but like as a player he's great he is. He's still a top ten player. I just don't know if I'd put him in the top five. It's, it's like, a tough, a tough yeah. thing. He's LeBron. It's like okay, but if you player. needed a player tomorrow yeah. for one game, is he one of the five you pick? Absolutely. I don't know. I Ooh. I really Ooh. I think I'd pick my. Don't five get me into LeBron team building because that's a whole different subject. Because honestly, and this is this might be a hot take here. I think a lot of if you're if you're not a role player, if you're like an all-star player, unless your name is Kyrie Irving or Anthony Davis, you play worse with LeBron versus when you don't play. If unless nah, your name is Kyrie, if, unless your name is Kyrie Irving or Anthony Davis, because D Wade looked worse when he played with LeBron. Yeah, Chris but Boston, LeBron makes LeBron no, makes everyone think. around him better. He, he yeah. didn't make yeah, Wade. Yeah, yeah. Time out. I don't think Dwayne Wade looked worse. He just took on a smaller role because he's playing next to LeBron. Like, he of course, he's here. not going to have as many like fifty-point mega games because he's the number okay. two. Let's, let's let's talk about Kevin Love and Chris Bosh then. Let's talk about those two because yeah. they had to sacrifice the most. They had to give up the most of their game, and. Yeah, they, they were the third options, but like they were only averaging like eighteen and twelve no. a game. Okay, I but thought, hold, hold up, hold up. Were the Timberwolves any good when Kevin Love was doing thirty and ten a night? Not, no, not at the point here. It not is the point. point. Hold up, hold up, hold it up. The exactly team the that LeBron, the team that LeBron took to the NBA Finals was insane. That that first one when they oh, lost the Mavs. That yeah, was yeah, the yeah. worst team in the history Ooh. next to, like, yeah. the AI team. And then he okay. did it again in Cleveland after Kyrie. And, I, and I, hey, I never said that he does not make role 
players better. He makes role players absolutely better. But if you are your type of guy, if you're the type of player that needs the ball in your hands to create your own shot and not be, and you can't form your game to become a catch and shoot player, then you cannot play with LeBron James. It is not possible because you guys will clash too much. We saw, we saw he is not a catch and shoot player. But he is a pick and roll player, which is a catch and shoot because he catches and then he catches the lob. Okay. Dwayne Wade formulated his game just fine to play off LeBron. Dwayne was awesome in Miami. Like, what what are we talking about? Kevin Love had to sacrifice because when you join a team with two other superstars, you have to make sacrifices. That doesn't mean Kevin Love suddenly got worse at basketball. It just, it's like Tobias in Philly. You have to give up stuff when there are better players on the team. Tobias hasn't gotten worse since Tyrese broke out. He's just lower on the totem pole. I just feel like they gave up too much of their games. I I feel like LeBron made them, and then they because never. He's LeBron, you want well, to listen, run listen, listen. LeBron. Let's they look at let's look at run things through Kevin Love in the post, but they wouldn't have been half as good. But this, listen, this might be a conversation. That. Yeah, well, you know, let's save this for another day. But my point being here is, I feel like they gave up too much, and then they when LeBron left. Could they ever return to the player that they were? No, because they gave up their game too much, and they, by the time LeBron left, he used up all their youth. No, yeah, anyway. because they were older. Like that's not LeBron's fault. We are arguing that pause. LeBron doesn't pause. make. What? I don't <laughs> well, think he. I don't think he makes every superstar better now. They have to change their game to fit with LeBron. I don't think he makes them better. If your argument is that he makes everybody better, the the answer to that is no. Not necessarily worse, but not necessarily better. But let's go ahead and wrap up the podcast. Wrap it up. Okay. We should wrap (laughs) it up. It's been a minute. Um, Thank you to all our listeners for tuning in to an especially long episode of the Sixer Sense podcast. We hope you made it all the way through with us. We thank you if you did. As always, please like, subscribe, and follow along if you can. We are on Twitter and Facebook at Sixersense. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, or you can listen at our website, thesixersense.com, where you can also read our written work. And until next time, uh, go Sixers. And we will be back to talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder some more next week. Peace out, y'all. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.